Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Talk about people that you don't know. You jack, 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 jack all the time. Your head's so hard, you won't feed me no mind. Talk to the people, talk all the time. Talk, talk, talk. Hello everybody. We have another football free weekend ahead of us as Liverpool fans as the FA Cup meanders its way to some sort of conclusion to get into the last eight teams. Um, but in the meanwhile, we've got bigger fish to fry um, as the Champions League returns for us uh, very shortly. So I'm joined today by um, Randy and Molly, our regular contributors, to talk about um, squad bonding uh, by Munich and uh, potentially to touch on something which people may find controversial, although we're not 100% sure why, which is uh, female sport punditry. So, uh, hello, ladies. Hello, Molly. Hello, Randy. How are Hi. you? Hi. Hi. Thank you. Good. Very well. Good. Good to have you back on. Um, so let's let's kick off. Um, the squad have been away again because we've um, we've had another uh, sort of football free weekend with uh, with our non participation in the FA Cup. And um, you may have seen some of the the pictures or whatever from the, from the squad in Marbella. Um, I certainly saw a little bit from Daniel Sturridge on him riding riding his bike uh, <laughs> past the uh, past the team doctors and various various other things. Um, you know, whilst whilst amusing ourselves on social media at their antics, uh, what what do we think? this actually gives to the squad if anything to to go away for these short breaks and i am i'm sort of curious because clearly after the last one in dubai or abu dhabi or wherever it was um we had a few people come back with bugs and and things like that so um is it is it a worthwhile exercise or do we do we worry that that we might lose momentum molly let me start with you on this one i think like it, it really like depends where you go as well. Like somewhere like Marbella, I suppose it's much um kind of closer to home. Like I think geographically as well. I'm currently living in the Middle East, um, <laughs> it is like to kind of come over here for a few days is quite. It is a completely different environment, and I've okay, I've not really been over to Dubai. I'm, I'm obviously in Kuwait, but. Like there are a lot of things to kind of get used to, and you picking bugs up in terms of like it's been really dusty. The air, I don't know if that sounds like really silly, <laughs> but it has it has a really big effect on you when you actually do go outside. When we first moved over here, and currently it's really dusty at the minute. It's quite windy, and you do you do get quite a bit of like sickness for us newbies. Um, so Marbella obviously right. being a lot closer to home I think it's probably something that is a bit like less of that is going to happen do, do you understand what I'm trying to say is it the air quality um, I, I mean Cer- I'm, I'm sort of yeah, I'm extrapolating from what you're saying sorry I'm just, <laughs> yeah it's the air quality is different and it takes some getting used to and I think if you're going to go on a short break it's probably a lot more worthwhile to go somewhere closer to home where you're you're in a a similar environment as well as Mm. obviously the be less travel time. I think in terms of bonding as a team I think it's really important and I think we're really lucky Um, I know there's been a few snazzy comments about how many competitions are in but I think 
you know, for a team that haven't won anything together, having these breaks to kind of relieve the pressure and relieve the tension are could potentially be extremely important uh yeah i find it i find it interesting you know if there are comments around you know whether we're in one or two competitions versus um you know man city for example who who are still in all four um because i you know i, I think it was disappointing um that we went out of the carabao cup um the the way that we did um the fa cup less so uh for me and and we've talked about that on previous pods but um in some ways um and randy i'll I'll kind of sort of pose this to you uh because of the the injury situation um i'm wondering if it's a bit of a blessing in disguise now that we've had a few of these free weekends because we're desperately trying to get players back into the squad yeah exactly and i think that a break could do good for us and especially on the back of a win uh you can go away you can um uh, restart in a way uh you can have this together man as you can have the concentration i think Klopp is big on this. He loves training camps. He loves taking players away from their wives and girlfriends and the home, uh, you know, everything that happens at, at home and get them together and concentrate and just be together. And I think that must give something to the team. But as you said, from last time, it didn't really do anything <laughs> except for making people <laughs> ill. So this time around, now they are, they are sort of coming back, all of them, aren't they? It looks like Trent um, might be, you know, his muscles getting together. And um, poor, um, what's his name? Genie that had mm. to go to the loo in the middle of the match last time. <laughs> Even though it actually suited him, I think. He scored a goal and everything. But all these small niggles and, and illness is probably gone now. Uh, unless they pick up something else over there. But uh so maybe this is actually a very good thing for them all to come together be concentrated and do the bit of training that club loves because it's like they are re- restarting in a way but they have to start as if they've played four games now then <laughs> and not, not as last time as if they've forgotten how to play a game so i'm really excited to see you know the way they kick off on tuesday Mm, well, it it will be um, interesting because the 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 first game that we kick off with is is at home to Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Um, so so you know, nice easy one for us to ease ourselves back into. Yes. Um, I, I don't I I don't know in terms of some of the injuries. I am hoping that, as I'm sure we all are, that that Trent will be will be fit. I know he had a little cameo at the end of the Bournemouth game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he came on for sort of ten or fifteen minutes. But certainly the pictures I've seen, he's still been wearing a kind of strapping or contraction or something around his knee. Um which makes me wonder whether he's, you know, f- fully fit yet or would again would would not be be able to, to do the whole 90 minutes but potentially um, come on for a you know let's say maybe 20 minutes or half an hour or something which do you then have um, you know you have an interesting sort of conversation around who do you you know do you put Milner back in a, a right back um, obviously Gomez is a few weeks away um, as far as you know, Gin, you know, Ginny's fine in terms of his stomach problems. As you know, there's there's not kind of nothing else wrong with him. Um, Lovren, I think, is still not available. So, um, in in terms of defensively, we've you know at centre back particularly, because um, I think you know it's it's Matip. Um, and and we won't have Van Dijk because he's suspended. So you you then get into um, 
you know, whether you play Fabino or Henderson or somebody at, at centre back. And um, but so look, we we'll, we can debate that stuff in a minute. Um, what what I liked seeing, like I said, you know, other, other than the the sort of the the madness on on social media was actually some of some of the players that we haven't seen that much of actually back in the squad and I think in particularly of Alex Oxlade Chamberlain and and Ryan or Rian, however you pronounce it, Brewster, um, taking taking part in the the team training. So so for me that was that was really lovely to see. I'm not I'm not expecting either of them to to feature um, in the next sort of few games, but to see them back out there uh, as part of the main squad must have been brilliant for them. If if you know as as well as for the squad, to be fair. Um, but on the on the point of that, I mean, w- where you have the the players on the fringe of the squad, so. If I think about, and this is my words, by the way, if I'm saying fringe, you know, if I think about Origi or I think about Moreno or I think about uh, Sturridge, um, Lalana, um, is it is it for for them? Is it for them to, um, I don't know, get a chance to to show what they can do? Um, do we think that that Jurgen, you know, is is ever going to be kind of moved away now from his what we all seem to be his preferred uh, pairings or trio up front? And I just I just wonder is it is it literally that kind of squad bonding thing? Because you know, deep down, I presume all of them know that fundamentally that it's unlikely that they're going to be starting a game anytime soon so i just wonder how mentally they they deal with that if if that is sort of well if that's how they think maybe that's not how they think maybe this is just how i think looking from the outside in do you know what i mean am i just rambling is that making any sense <laughs> to anybody no i suppose it's like <laughs> it's, it's a different situation because we although it's them playing football we like it is that it's the day job when they go to Melwood and when they train and when they go to matches and they play at Anfield, like it is the day job. And I think it's like, I suppose it's like when you go on a work night out and you realise, oh, like that person or like your superiors, you see them in a different way. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It yeah. is bonding. And suppose you're right, it is kind yeah. of bringing them back into the... Well, maybe they're supposed to do train together, don't they? So, but maybe, like I say, it's a different environment. It's a new setting, and it's about yeah. kind of bringing everybody together because there there is an injury list, and there might be a point where, like, you do need your Lalana or mm. your Moreno, and it might be that you know it's not just about. And I think Klopp has shown this. More so than you know, any manager we've had in a while. It's not just about being fit; mm. it's about being part of that team. In in more, yeah. as I say, more than just your ability to play. Yeah, I suppose I just I I'm sort of curious about the the sort of mental side of it. Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe it's a bit of a um. Uh, you know, like I said, it's a bit of a break from the day-to-day at Melwood and, you know, whatever it is that they run through uh, to be in Marbella and be out on, um, you know, to be out on the bikes and, you know, be, you know, doing their head tennis and whatever else that they're doing. Um, it's just, a, you know, I just wondered if that gives them, you know, the players who are on the fringe, even though I'm sure Klopp would go, you know, it's the whole squad. To, to be able to I don't know show show different sides of their personality maybe to to be taken into into consideration oh well I I'll just stop rambling about that <laughs> now um so let's let's come on to you know things we're talking about the squad law let's come on to Bayern Munich then um because that is our first uh 
I think it is our it's our first game back, so uh, this coming week, and um, I think Bayern Munich have had an interesting, uh, you know, Bayern Munich had an interesting few weeks themselves. Um, so, what are you expecting um, from this game? And we'll come on to the squad in a sec. But but Randy, what what do you what are you expecting on Tuesday? Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this match because I think just picking up on uh, lots of uh, uh, talk from uh, Germany, from Bayern, and mm. it's like, like these small small things that you can read about, you know, Robin hates going to Anfield. Things like that sort of helps. <laughs> I mean, let him spread the word. He doesn't like playing there. It's a hostile place. Uh, Miller is out. Uh, Coleman, Kingsley Coleman, one of the best players apparently at the moment, yep. might not be ready. Uh, he's not 100% at all, so we never know about him. Um, and apparently, according to my brother, that saw uh, Bayern playing uh, uh, Hertha Bayern. I, I couldn't remember who they were playing recently. They were playing Ausberg, I think. At, yeah, and at, that was something. Not good. And they played Hertha. Uh, Two two weeks ago, my brother said, you, "You you have to look forward to the feast because that defense is gonna just crumble when our front three attacks them." So apparently, I think we got a lot to look forward to. And not that I'm cocky because I'm never I'm not at all, especially this year. I just want to you know stay low. But I've got this really really good feeling about this because it is at home. And we know our, our Anfield is going to be bouncing and rocking and being all over the place. It's going to scare them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that don't get scared is too old and slow to be able to <laughs> fight us, apparently. And the people that might, you know, be rocked a bit, they are the fast, quick ones. So, we, of course, we have to look out for them. And uh, depending on who we play in defence, which I'm sure we're going to get onto soon. Uh, I think we'll be fine, and I'm really looking forward to it. I really wish I was there. I, hmm. Well, I I think you know it's it's great that you're really looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> I am I am going to be there, so so I think I'll be representing both you and Molly <laughs> on the on the night. I don't unless you're back for half term, Molly, <laughs> for this game. Um, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think I think there is some merit in terms of certainly at the at, you know in terms of the centre backs. Um, so I mean, Boateng is uh, it, assuming they're both fit. So Boateng is what thirty. Hummels is mm-hmm. I think thirty two, thirty three. But I mean, mm. Hummels has never had any pace. His his thing never. was never. Never, he was he's a bit like Hoopier in that respect. He's it's kind of about positioning. But they do play with a very high line. Um and and I think that there's there's a huge opportunity for mm. for us in terms of get getting behind that line. Um their full backs are, are more are younger and quicker. So this is why, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't know whether Trent will be fit. We'll obviously have Robertson on the other side. Um, but I think their, their full backs are tricky. Um, their wingers, so it, it depends. It comes back to your point about are they going to play, um, Serge Nabry, for example? Yeah, he's good. Uh, are they going to play him? <clears throat> Um, I don't know whether uh, is Robin fit. I'm not a hundred percent sure. If he is, I would assume that he would play. And I guess then it's a toss up maybe between um Nabry and Ribery on on the other side. So, you know, and they've got some you know, they've got Lewandowski, you know, they're not they are a they are a very good side, but they mm. are a side that can be got at, in my view. Um and they they don't cope well with a with a high press um so i i do think they're they're starting to go through a transitional period in terms of if you look at the overall age of the squad um 
Uh, Muller obviously is not available. By the same token, we don't have Virgil. So, uh, yeah. so let, let me yeah. um, let me come come back round then. So, so Molly, what what do you think our defence is going to look like on Tuesday then, knowing that there's no Lovren and there's no Van Dyke as a starter for ten? <laughs> Uh, we've still got Alison. That's good. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. Oh God, likely Matip. Um, probably Fabino. Maybe again. Um, Robertson, and then hopefully, hopefully Trent. But if not, I don't know. Um. <laughs> Would you, would you have Milner there? Yeah, yeah, in 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 replacement of Trent. But I think it, because we haven't got the, the issue, I would have obviously, you know, if we haven't got Trent, then yeah. But if if you've we've not got Van Dyke or we've not got the usual centre backs there, no, you might want your Milner in the mid, maybe like slightly dip your midfield as kind of a you know next line of defence mm-hmm. if you like to. To kind of cover for the fact that the man who cannot be dribbled past will be watching <laughs> from the stands. <laughs> so would you? So you you'd have him there. You you your preference or your choice would be to have Fabino alongside Matip. Yes, I think so. Because I guess one of the other options could be, assuming available, you could have Henderson play at centre back. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not sensing a warm and fuzzy feeling yeah. from you on that option. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, no, it's. It's one of those, isn't it? You mean you you're picking players from the midfield to play out of position, so it's. Yes. It's just like it, you know, um, you don't, re- like, we can talk about it all day, but we don't really know what's going to happen, if that, like, if that is the outcome. No, I, all, all I understand is from, from looking at the, the last stuff that I saw from Klopp, you know, I think it was after, I think it was after the Bournemouth game, he and he was doing an update on injuries, and it, didn't sound like Lovren was anywhere close and we knew that Virgil was going to be suspended and we know that Gomez is still weeks away so you're kind of well who have we got left that was sort of where I was getting myself to so other yeah. than Matip who's, who's a specialist centre-back we've got Fabino, who has played there and has played there recently we've got Henderson who could do a job um, but I don't, you know, uh, I don't know how whether that would be our our best yeah. choice against Bayern Munich, and and after that, I think you, you're going to kind of the under twenty threes, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know, I don't, I think Nat Phillips is maybe injured. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not 100% familiar with, you know, all of all of that next level down. So, so I, I do think that there's limited, kind of limited yeah. options for us. If I'm honest, I think, I think if you were going to take one of the younger, the younger lads, I think you, yeah. you'd almost want him. You know, if Van Dyke was playing and we were short, so, you know, to be next to kind of like Van Dyke as your first. Um, kind of go up playing in the first team I think is probably quite different to being next to Matip um, who's obviously had a lot less game time as well and just for me like playing you know Fabinho who has you know played there recently that just seems Mm. like less of a risk when we have got some you know defensive midfielders or players who could play as a defensive midfielder to kind of maybe sit a bit further up and, and be that be that kind of backup as well, like it layering I suppose rather than just than kind yeah. of just sticking the defensive midfielder in, in its sense. But but you're completely right, we are very limited 
with what options that we have got, and especially if Trent, if Trent can't play a full game as well. Uh, so, so Randy, if we if we assume right for the purposes of this that Trent isn't available, right? So to to build on Molly's point, would you play Milner at right back, or if you're pushing Fabino into the centre of defence? Would you rather have Milner as part of the midfield? And would you potentially take a chance on, I don't know, uh, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, but Hoover, 16-year-old, would yeah. you play right back? Uh, or a and It's really interesting. It's very interesting that you said that because I am, first of all, I think Trent is playing. But if he's not playing, I would rather have uh, Milner there, Fabinho on next to Matip, and Hendo Gini Keita in the midfield. Because Hendo can do a good defensive midfield. I would not trust him on the same level as Fabinho. But for Herber, I would actually, <laughs> I, I don't mind Herber uh, instead of Milner. But then I don't know where to put Milner because I've just put Hendo, Gina and Keita in the midfield. I really, really want to see Keita and Gina together again because that was so good last mm -hmm. time. And I think that something is about to happen there. And uh, that leaves us with Fabinho or Herber or Milner or Herber or Camacho. Because remember, we've got Camacho. And he's played instead of Trent before. And uh, for me, it's not an option putting Hendo instead of Fabinho. So my my back is quite right. It's like Trent or Milner or Camacho. That's the only question mark for me. The rest okay. is set with Fabinho, Martip, and then Hendo, defense, defensive midfield, and then Ginicator. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that you mentioned Herbert on the right back, but I think Camacho is in front of him in, in the queue. Yeah, I think that... Um, I don't know if I thought that Camacho was more of a winger, but, but yeah, when but he's played more. Brought, brought him on uh, for that game, he put him at right back because we'd lost... Some, do you know what I mean? I think he went in as an emergency right back. Uh, maybe I've missed, you know, I've misinterpreted. I think he's played that. right back before. You see, he has played right back before. And if we look at who has played in alternative positions earlier, and that's mm. Herbert one time in central defence, and then it's Camacho a couple of times, and certainly during the summer at right back. And we have seen Fabinho. We've never seen Hendo, have we? Um, I, I think we, we've seen we've seen Henderson play at right back before, mm. or right wing back. Yeah, um, but not in the central defence. No, no. But I, I, you know, I like I said, I was just sort of scrolling through who could we yeah, put yeah. in central defence because we're kind of down to the bare bones. Um, and it occurred to me, you know, he's quite tall. Um, he's fairly athletic. He's quite defensively minded. Um, maybe he could do a job there, but you know, would would you really want to try him out? You know, in the first leg of the last of sixteen, no. round of sixteen <laughs> of the Champions League, probably not. <laughs> um, the prop, the, the only reason I, I, you know, one of the other reasons I thought about it is what you potentially lose by taking Fabino out of midfield. Yeah, no, but I, I'm, he has. I, he's probably been along with Ginny. The t two of our best performers over the last yeah. few weeks, and that's that's my only other thought was, you know, given a choice, I, I would want to keep Fabino in, you know, as that as that midfield um, anchor uh, for the for the rest of the for the rest of the team. But we we may not, you know, we may not get that opportunity. Um, so yeah, so. Okay, so we we think we're there or thereabouts on the midfield. So it brings us to the front three, which I'm presuming we all believe we know. Um, so question then is, are we playing Salah at the top as the nine, 
or are we playing Bobby there and having Salah coming? So are we, in effect, are we playing the four-three-three yeah. that we saw against Bournemouth, or are we going more like the game against um, West Ham or Leicester when you had Salah uh, more playing at, at the at, as the sort of top of the arrow, um, and Firmino and Mane um, supporting him? Molly, what do you reckon? I would say more. <laughs> More the four three three, um, not having not having Salah like up there as much uh, by himself, but having I think it's probably more um, more impactful to have to have the three, especially with what you were talking about the buying defense before. I think in terms of like pressing forward, I think that's been more effective, and I think will be mm. more effective on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that. Um... For me, if I if I look back to that uh, Bournemouth game, um, you had Salah coming in off the wing, and you had Bobby through the middle, um, and that felt for me that that was more that that four three three as opposed to the four two three one that we played. We, we, it felt more like the Liverpool of last season. In terms of, we, there was just wave after wave after wave of attack, and you know, frankly, we scored three. It probably should have been six mm. uh, <laughs> against Bournemouth, and uh, it felt it felt like Bobby being in that position was just helping making everything else click. I mean, Salah was almost unplayable you know, that game as well. But, you know, you looked at the assists from um, Firmino, you know, that gorgeous little back heel, um, you know, you you saw uh, some of the other stuff going, you know, the pass from Cater. Um, it just felt like it was more, it was a more natural combination, the way it was set up, as opposed to potentially having had Salah playing at the top and then you know Firmino being deeper and um you know you've got Mane and maybe you know Shakiri or somebody else on the other side so um yeah go on sorry <laughs> um no just really reiterating what you're saying there because I think and also they've had quite a long time now playing together uh, and I think when Salah's kind of there alone is Obviously, he's very much a target then, and you're kind of relying on kind of like good, good passes sometimes, like long passes, long crosses in all the time. Whereas when it when it is the three of them working together, it just seems to have a much bigger impact, um, and the the pace um, is a a lot more intense as well. And I think that's where. Um, like you say, the kind of wave after wave of the attacks are coming from because um, you, it's not just they're not ju- not that they would just focus on one player, but they're kind, mm. of, kind of giving them one target, the defense one target to look for. Sometimes when Sal is a bit more of a lone, but when there's three, so th- there have been occasions in particular last season where it was like they clearly just didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know they, they didn't know where to look. They didn't know where to go, and it was amazing. But that I think comes from <laughs> them playing, them playing together. Yeah, I mean what we what we what we're looking for basically is a is a replay of the Man City first leg um, from last season. I think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that every day. You know. <laughs> um, so uh, this is this is the thing for me. So uh, you you know you sort of said you're really looking forward to it. I mean I am just because you know and I know it's a cliche but it's a cliche because it's true. Um, the European nights under the lights, the the whole buzz of the crowd, all the banners, all the all the songs and everything. It is there is something special about when Liverpool play in the in the Champions League. So I'm looking forward to it for all of those reasons. But I genuinely don't think there is a standout team this season 
um, in the way. So, so you might have argued that it was, you know, Real Madrid last season, or maybe the season, you know, a couple of seasons ago, you would have argued it was Barcelona, or you might have argued it was, you know, Juventus or something. I think there is a there's a level of parity with a couple of big you know exceptions across most of the the big teams in inverted commas and i and i genuinely think we've got as good a chance as anybody if not better than than some in terms of going a long way in this competition again this year i, I think that's what i'm excited about the 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 possibility um and it's that thing uh, uh, about you know we're fighting on those two fronts um obviously i want us to be successful in everything i want us to, i want us to do the double i want us to win them both um if i had to give up one for the other would i you know which one would i well as long as i think you know i i kind of would really struggle to give up one for the other but <laughs> if i was guaranteed that no english team was going to win the champions league i would give up the champions league if i knew that meant i'd win the premier league that i think that's the only way i could <laughs> could live with myself <laughs> um but so having said all of that um we we're looking forward to it we're excited we're positive so What's the score going to be, Randy? What do you reckon? Difficult. I think because of our uh, slightly unsettled defence, because we <laughs> haven't got a clue what's going to do up, um, I guess we're going to concede a goal. and So they're going to be lucky, apparently, and get a goal. And then we're going to have to score two or three. Maybe just 3-1 then. That's okay. 3-1. Okay. Yeah. Molly, do you want to have a punt on a score for Tuesday night? I think 2-0. Okay. Um, and I'm going to go 4-1. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like it. I like your optimism. I think Bayern's defence, I, I think they're there for the taking. They have a more settled defence, but I, I think... I think we can get at them. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I do think be lovely. Be, which is why I'm saying four-one. But but I do think the we harness the power of Anfield. We go at them with a the high press. I think we could really unsettle them. Anyway, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. So um, so looking forward to that. Let's turn our attentions a little bit more to uh some of the stuff that's been in the press and the social media over the last kind of couple of weeks 10 days which seems to uh despite the fact that it's 2019 seems to be a bit of a cause a bit of a storm um around the idea of female punditry more specifically it seems about um female analysts in football so people like um alex scott or um, Rachel Finnis or, um, you know, Sue Reed or whoever it might be. Um, and there seems to have been a bit of a reaction in terms of whether they're actually qualified to, to uh, be a pundit on football, despite the fact that they are ex-professional footballers. Um, and, you know, have been England internationals and one thing and another. And I know there was a debate, uh, sort of Jake Humphrey did a debate on BT Sport. I know there's been um, some articles and, and there was a, a programme on Red Men TV. Um, and I've seen a couple of other bits from Claire Balding as well. Um, Randy, can I, can I start with you here? When you're watching um, sport in... Norway um what sort of panels do you get locally so do you only ever get whoever's provided on the coverage from whatever you know channel is broadcasting or do you have local coverage as well and are there if it, are there any women and if so sort of what what areas do they come from in terms of your sports coverage uh that's interesting uh, because 
I think, I guess not, because I don't know, actually, but I guess we've had female pundits in Norway longer than in England, maybe. Uh, and on a uh, Premier League match, we have a Norwegian panel. We usually have one expert baller. And uh, these days, uh, it's mm-hmm. normally uh, people that also played in England, uh, Norwegians uh, or Swedish. And we also sometimes have a British one. Somebody that comes over, you know, they're ex-footballers, they are referees, they are, you know, just football people. So it's quite a good uh, coverage, actually, and quite good comments as well. Um, sometimes I, I miss the opportunity to have the English ones, of course, because you get a different, different level then, or, or at least a different uh, opinion. Uh, mm. So I don't really know because I haven't seen all these English uh, women that, uh, you just talked about, and I've seen it on uh, social media and stuff. And mm. I've seen some examples, and they they seem and they come across so competent, uh, and they come across very good the way they communicate, and they seem relaxed, and they seem to then know what they're talking about. So I I actually don't have a clue what this is about. Is this just? Uh, some grumpy old men sitting there thinking, "Well, this is my domain," you know, and suddenly. It's a, woman here or, or what is it what it is about because as long as they are competent as long as they know what they're talking about and they they've really you know uh, done their research and, and they can rely on their own um, uh, capabilities from when they were playing I I don't get the problem and I think it's so interesting because we have this discussion in Norway like 10 and uh, especially one woman that is I think is very, very good at this. She mm. is called Lisa Klavenes and she is a ex-professional footballer. She is a pundit and mm. she was, she's now director of elite football in Norway. So both the men and the female department of elite football in Norway, she's the top of it. And that is actually not a problem. But 10 oh, years ago when she came on, yeah, early, they were like, it was all this uproar. Uh, but when we had no actual uh, sound comments to say about it, it was just the fact that she was a female. So I think time and the the, the society as a whole, like I think Norway has come a long way in the fact that we have lots of female directors and, you know, the boards are full of them and stuff like that. So I think it, this might be just a bit later in Britain, but I think we're going to get, through it and people are going to see that it has to be about whether you are a good one or not so have a look at all the old men that sit there that have been playing in the Premier League before it was called Premier League and they can't even string one comment together because they, they don't really follow it anymore there are some of them isn't it mm. well it's, you... it's interesting yeah sorry I was just I was just really interested in the the this this woman you said who's been there for about 10 years now and is now heading up the elite um football is it the elite football academies or did you say no it's the way? department it's the football norwegian football Com- uh, uh, federation it's ah, like the top of football it's department like the fa in norway it's like yeah, the exactly. football association in the uk yeah. yeah she's heading up the elite football yeah. division of the of the of the Norwegian FA, yeah, and both the male and female. So she's actually on top of that because she's a lawyer as well. You know, she can do everything. <laughs> so, yeah. and that is interesting, isn't it? I don't think Britain is ready for that yet. Do you? Well, it's 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 sl- slightly weird because yeah. they announced, um, and this isn't the FA, but they announced. That the new chief executive of the Premier League in yeah, England yeah. was going to be a woman, uh, a woman called Susanna Dinage or something, I think her name was. Um, it was all announced because, if you remember, Richard Scudamore was retiring, and all of the clubs had to like bung in like the mm. grand or, mm. or a million or whatever the hell it was um, to to give him, you know, to give him a lovely send off present. Um, and then yeah. <laughs> about, three or, about three or four weeks after they announced it, or maybe a little bit longer, they, she it was then announced she wasn't coming. She yeah. changed her mind. So I, I have no idea exactly what was what was behind all of that. But 
Um, she, I think she was not I a footballer. Think, no, she no, was, she she was coming. She was from, a television woman. Yeah. Yes, she was coming from media, yeah. uh, media and TV, and and had been involved in various different uh, sort of media and, and related um, industries. Mm. So. So no, so she's not coming. So they're now on another search for their chief executive. Um, but I, you know, I I do think there would be um, if if the FA, you know, if they if they've got a head of elite performance, for for that to be a woman in this country, in my view, you are likely to have a load of very old white. Uh, countryfied men probably having apoplexy in order for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. They would all have the you know, they'd all have to have strokes and die. Um which is <laughs> which is, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that that's what I want to happen by the way. But but frankly, I think I think in terms of what you've just said, and I, I do think there is a real timing thing, I think we're potentially light years behind you in in terms of integration of of women into the the upper echelons of of sport and i mean i know we're focusing on football here but um you know you don't there's not a massive amount of over representation across a number of the other sports so molly let let me come to you on this um i i i'm interested in you know that's part, partly why i want to start with randy because i wanted to understand what it felt like um you know in norway and and I think that's really interesting. Now, because of where you're living at the moment, um, you know, your coverage again might be quite different from what you from what it is in the UK. So I'd kind of be well, interested in two aspects from you. So so what are you seeing? Um, kind of if you're watching, you know, you're getting an overlay of local coverage over, you know, whatever streaming service you're using um but also your your more general view on on type of you know why we're making an issue about gender in punditry or why an issue has been made of gender in punditry in the uk at the moment well firstly uh, we've got b in sports mm -hmm. um, oh god english oh. richard keys is scared all the ladies away <laughs> jesus christ um, You've got I, those two fat old sexist oh, kids. Oh. In all honesty, in all honesty, Jack goes mad because I watch the Arabic channels because you have two <laughs> options. You can watch it in Arabic <laughs> or you can watch it in English. Oh, and I, I watch it brilliant. in Arabic because I don't want to <laughs> And the Arabic country is a lot more entertaining. I don't, re I don't know most of what they're saying. But they're very mm. enthusiastic, especially with my palate. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, cool. That's brilliant. That's my coverage. <laughs> um, oh. I do love being sports, so apart from Richard Keys, um, because <laughs> you get everything. It's so cheap, and you get all of the football all of the time. Yeah. Um, but no ladies. Well, I was going to say, other than, uh, you know, are, are there any? <laughs> female presenters on there at all not that i know of um certainly not on the english version mm. um but i just think i don't know why like we're we're giving like we're having debates about it like don't have a debate about it just put mm -hmm. the the good female pundits on there because they deserve to be there if they're good and they are good and I, do, I don't understand this debate because like is Phil Neville is the manager of the women's England team am I right there? Yes you are. Well he's never played women's football and no, I just think okay so, so you can manage the national team and Alex Scott with her media degree in journalism can't talk about <laughs> it without and he, I'm sorry she's more qualified than fucking big dave from down the pub because he's exactly. too busy drinking pints she's more qualified because she's been a professional footballer 
and I've absolutely no like no time for people that are saying you know Alex Scott shouldn't be taught shouldn't be allowed to talk about football I've, I've no time for people that say that at all I, I don't want to listen to your reasons because I just don't think her lack of a penis means no. she shouldn't be there it's ridiculous because she's really good she is but I think out of the kind of new pundits that came kind of from the World Cup, she mm-hmm. is the standout one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I have to say, I, I do like her. Fine. I really like her. I think, I think she's, yeah. um, uh, I think she's it's articulate. I think she's informed. You know, the fact is, you're never going to agree, are you? You know, you're not going to agree with every single pundit. Um, but, but if I think of some of the you know some of the ones that we see i mean you get michael owen on for <laughs> argument's sake i mean the, the you know the man just talks in cliches there's so if you're ever bored yeah to youtube like duck michael owen said and there's a like a compilation of <laughs> Just saying nothing, like this words coming out of his mouth, but he's saying nothing. And it's just I'll find it. <laughs> so send us the link. Yeah, do send us send us the link. But but I find it, you know, I do find it laughable that that the 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 level of gravitas attached to to your point somebody with a penis who's played professional football whereas you, somebody who doesn't have a penis but has played professional football is completely dismissed as irrelevant and having no insight and not being able to comment on men playing <laughs> football now forgive me for missing the subtlety of which are the rules that are different between men playing football and women playing football, right? Is it a different offside rule? Do they use a different set of formations because, you know, women menstruate, so therefore they can't possibly play a 4-3-3? Is there something that I have missed? Because I don't <laughs> understand, right? <laughs> if it, you are talking about the game of football, right? The right. rules, sorry, the laws of the game are exactly the same. So if somebody has played professionally, regardless of gender, all you have to identify is whether they can articulately talk about the nuances and the specifics and the detail around that game. And the the fact of whatever genitalia they've got is is should be immaterial. Um, you know, I think of Paul Merson. Jesus, the man can barely string a sentence together. He can't pro- he can't pronounce anybody's name. He, he you know he struggles to say Paul. He struggles to say his own name. And yet he sat there, right, just just coming out with random shit. Like on a on a regular basis, and yet he's you know no nobody's sort of saying he shouldn't have a job. Whereas I was I would argue that he's not competent to comment on anything because he can't speak. So <laughs> just I just find it I find it laughable that that we're actually having to having to have this debate in inverted commas because there is no debate. In, in my view, and because we are probably one of the few um, women only, and it's not even—it's not even that it's a rule. You know, we've had we've had plenty of uh, different people on the pods over the years. It's just predominantly it's women talking about football, and there aren't that many channels where we, it's just women predominantly talking about football. I couldn't really let this pass, and and I find it—you know—I do find it quite depressing on the fact that it's 2019 that we're we're you know we're having to even mention the fact that you know well should we be having these women talking about sports and and you know you can you can broaden it out as far as far as you want but i listen to radio commentary over here in the uk 
and we have women talking about rugby we have women talking about football we have women talking about golf and they are all utterly competent utterly professional you know all o all over their subject matter have all of the facts and the figures you know the same way as motty would or, or anybody else and and yet the the fact the fact that they have a womb it somehow makes them unqualified to comment on a game that they may have played at the highest level it's it's frank it's frankly ridiculous um and people need to get their heads out of their asses really and kind of wake up you know we we're, we're in the 21st century we we have driverless cars and you're telling me a woman can't talk, tell you about the side <laughs> trip it's fucking nonsense oh that's um, wonderful sorry. that's a lovely rant you have there lovely lovely but can I just say <laughs> let's just say then that we're not going to discuss whether we should have a female or not female but we should discuss anything we should discuss competence the trouble with that is then you have to discuss all the males sitting there because half of them are not competent and can i just read exactly. out thank you uh, molly can i just read out number 15 of uh, michael owen's 20 funniest quotes <laughs> number 15 <laughs> is, Please, is uh, <laughs> number 15 Wales played really well last year for tottenham let's hope he can trans transfer that form to spurs this season that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> So I hope he can continue to play well for the same side. Mm. I remember, I remember when Gary Neville first started commentary, and shocking commenting on a Liverpool game. And I remember, and it was just kind of general playing midfields, and he went, "Ooh, something's happening." And I just remember just saying, <laughs> "Is it football, Gary?" <laughs> He might be. But you know, just like, what? You're just saying words for the sake of saying, because you, you've got nothing to say. No. Like, and just, oh, it's just, but one of the things I was going to say is, like, obviously, I'm a teacher, so I interact a lot with teenagers. Um, and I've had a, really over the summer, there was a couple of in, there was one class in particular that I had that were very much against female pundits but overall like and I think this is just something that's quite nice is that they don't care that women like football when they find out that you like football they're happy to talk about football with you boys girls mm. and there's no real difference in the fact that you know if they're talking to a male teacher or a female teacher and um so that's quite nice that the younger generation don't have any like they me and Jack work in the same school. Yeah. So I have kids coming up to me saying, Oh, Mr. Mr. is sad today. Everton lost yesterday. Oh. And I go, oh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> they go, Oh yeah, because Liverpool won. So are you happy? And I'm going, Yeah, I'm happy. And they go, But says not happy. I go, No, says not happy. Um <laughs> and there's kind of no <laughs> there's no distinction like between them oh, talking yeah. to Jack about football mm -hmm. and me, apart from they do like to sing "Glory, Glory, Man United" in my classroom. Um, oh, it's just oh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to slap me. that out of them. I keep uh, saying I, you, I will. You, you, you will the coach out of them, or you slap it out of them, one or the other. They will start getting detentions for this and just laugh yeah. at me. Um, <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no distinction between. Mate, the fact you know, obviously the fact I'm female, they just like having someone trying to distract me so I don't teach them. Um, <laughs> you know, they'll have that conversation <laughs> with you, and they're not bothered. They don't think it's weird. They don't think it's strange. They they're just happy to to kind of chat with you. And so I think that it is, you know, there is a potential positive in that. Mm. You know, these young boys and girls are seeing you know um female punters and they're having conversations with women about football and i think it will it will get better because i don't think the young generation really are really asked about who's talking about it they just no. like talking about it no <laughs> I, I think i i, I would i they would hope for the future you. yeah but but one of the things i would say and just because it it 
sparked it sparked a thought in me when you were talking about Gary Neville. Is the other interesting thing for me, I think, about that, like you said, when he first started, both him and Carragher, and there's a few other I think of, they were allowed to, in effect, learn on the job. Mm. And and I would argue that that Neville Carragher, um, less so Jamie Redknapp, because he's he's just you know I don't, I, I think he still chats shit, frankly, but um, but they they grew into the roles. And yet, apparently, the the female pundits are not going to be afforded that same courtesy to grow into the roles because it is an interesting transition when you move from playing to go into a commentary booth or to go in and become an expert analyst, um, and where you're you know you're trying to translate the stuff that you've learned, the stuff that you've been you know kind of you know ingesting. Uh, almost by osmosis since maybe you were six, seven, eight years old. But to to turn that back round into something that is um, interesting and informative and all those all those stuff, but but still be yourself, it is a skill. Um, so I think that the fact that these these you know male these this slightly newer breed of male pundits you know whilst they've had media training when they've been at their clubs it's not the same but you know having a microphone stuck in front of your face at the end of a game you know at the end of a match versus actually being sat in a studio and and you know you know looking at edited stuff and trying to come up with information or, or reacting to you know stuff that happens on the field in front of you and I and I do find that really interesting that the 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 female pundits don't appear to be allowed to grow into those roles. It's just oh, I've heard them talking. It's a woman and they're shit and they don't know what they're talking about. It seems to be the kind of the starting premise for for some of these people. Um, and the other thing that, that I guess is everybody thinks they're an expert now. Um, because of social media, because of the access to, you know, some of the stuff that, that you know, gags and, and the and the guys have done, the brilliant stuff they've done, you know, the kind of under pressure, the tactics pods and all things. But but part of that is in terms of having that promulgated all over the place means that people want to go, oh, I want to look at ProZone, I want to look at this. You know, they can go and get all this and they, they therefore believe they have become an armchair expert in themselves and therefore they make a judgment about you know how good a pundit is on the basis of of what what they're expecting come into their living room that doesn't it's their perception and that's their opinion and that's absolutely fine but that's not necessarily the truth um and that's the bit that i i struggle i struggle with and there seems to be and it is fundamentally just sexism is that there is a, a higher bar a higher standard that you are saying that women have to get over which is which is never required of of the males in the same sport and that's what's fundamentally wrong with this and you're right both of you we we will come to a conversation where we're just talking about people's competence and the gender is frankly irrelevant and if you take the gender out of it then you should probably lose about 50 50 percent of the existing pundits that we've got and replace them with other people and i would have and i would have thought you'd get a higher proportion of women in terms of what you replace them with in terms of pure competence so um here endeth the rant i think we've done this one to death now um so and, and we've we've had, <laughs> we've a, good had a good old good old chit chat so um any other business, ladies? Anything that uh, we should be covering or you want to make us aware of? Um, because we're probably a good time to come to the end of this pod uh, before, you know, people start accusing us of, you know, <laughs> going on some sort of feminism rant, um, which we're frankly exactly. I'm quite happy about as well. Uh, so anything, anything you'd like to say, Randy? Anything to, before we wrap this up? Yes, please. I'll give like to acknowledge the fact that Keita has come very good lately. I really love watching him play now and I can see where he fits in. It looks like he's comfortable and I can't wait to see more of that. And uh, 
even more. And uh, a little note of, remember, Sergio Ramos got a red card the other day and they lost against one yeah. of the teams in the lower league, <laughs> or rather in the... Uh, uh, yeah, he got the, he yeah. got a second yellow in the Champions League, didn't he? So, um, so he would miss the next game. He wanted to get his booking, his suspension out of the way, allegedly. Yeah, um, and also he was thrown out as match back in uh, Spain as well. So he is having a real good uh, <laughs> yeah, time at the moment. And I can't be... That really makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. Molly, anything <laughs> from you before we finish? Um, just what a legend Rafa Benitez has been in the last few weeks. He's been on his radar for the past couple of weeks for a variety of things. And I just think he's still boss. Yeah, he is. He is still boss. (laughs) And and we love him. We love Rafa. We always will love Rafa. Um, And if he could do the double over City um, when they play them again. (laughs) I've yes, probably got that completely wrong now. That would be marvellous. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's a you know he's a he's an absolute legend uh, for us um, on Merseyside and all the rest. Of, and and you know, the Geordies love him too. So I think you know more pa- more power to Rafa. Good luck. Hope Newcastle stay up. Um, so the only thing I was going to say was. Um, I love the fact that the Champion League is back. I get very excited when I hear the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's hope the next time when we do the next pod, we'll be talking about who we're facing in the next round of the Champions League. That would be good. Um, but regardless of what happens, we're having a fucking good season. So carry on up the Reds. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Life goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So Cross the Mersey Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Sports Social Podcast Network